0: And we will get into our um, lesson on tonight. We're going to start, um, we're going to go back over quickly um, on page, the top of page 45. And please let me know if I don't enunciate clearly because of my um, jaw. But let us just open with a word of prayer, if we may. Our Father and our God, we love you on tonight, oh God. We thank you, Father God, that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. Father, we thank you that you are concerned with every aspect of our life, oh God. We thank you, Father God, that you want the best for us in every aspect of our life, oh God. So we thank you for this time of reading together, of studying together, even studying your word, oh God. We love you and we praise you, God. Bless this offering on tonight, oh God. Father God, I thank you for this time in your presence. I thank you, God, that it will be fruitful and that it will be impactful and that, God, we will never, ever be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I said, if we can, we're going to look at um, page 45. And I wanted to thank Vanessa. She's not in here, but she actually... Um, scan these pages to me because my book reads so differently. So we're looking at um, if you have the same book that she did this out of defining emotional health and contemplative spirituality. And I think pastor started on this first set of things last week. So we'll look at those briefly. And then we want to look a little more into the uh, contemplative spirituality. And it reads, emotional health is concerned with such things as naming, recognizing, and managing our own feelings, identifying with and having active compassion for others, initiating and maintaining close and meaningful relationships. I just wanted to ask the question, and just being honest, how many of you think you do well at initiating relationships? (laughs) Yeah, because I know um, that's a struggle for a lot of people. I I know for me, I I tend to be kind of um, that person that welcomes the new neighbors. And um, I remember as a little girl, when our neighbors moved next door to us, me and another friend down the street went over and they were moving boxes. in. we just walked in the house and introduced ourselves. And so Everything was good until my mom said get out of their way so they can move. But um, and they were an older couple, but uh, Mr. Scott said, Well, if it's if it's okay with your parents, you can you can stay. And we even helped them move. So I just tend to be that kind of person, but I know a lot of people don't initiate um, relationships well. The other um, week I was at my sister's house and I was outside and so her neighbor walked up and she said, oh my goodness, so nice to meet you. I've been here 12 years and I've never met you. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not I'm not the wife, I'm the sister-in-law. And she said, oh, well, does your sister work out of town? I'm like, no, <laughs> but she's just not, she's not that type of person. So I, I was just curious as to how many people did initiate um, relationships breaking free from self-destructive patterns, being aware of how our past impacts our present, which is a lot of what the the book is even sharing with us, developing the capacity to express our thoughts and feelings clearly, both verbally and non-verbally, respecting and loving others without having to change them. Is that hard for anyone?
1: Them where they are you know? yeah. I
2: think you
1: know
2: um, in general I could see that being easily navigated with the spouse versus
1: more cordial relationship or you know co or something like that I
3: think in general, yeah, yeah.
0: I think um, that he just met people where they were. He didn't judge them. He didn't try to change them. If this is who you are, this is who you are. And I just love you in spite of. i There were times we would be out at dinner or somewhere and he'd say, Felicia, this is my friend, so-and-so-and-so. And so when we would sit down and leave the person's table, I said, I don't remember you ever mentioning that friend. And he's like, well, that's my client. I'm like, well, stop calling him your friend. He's not your friend. That's your client. And I said, and has he paid you anything?
1: Because
0: <laughs> if he had not paid you anything, he's really not your friend. And he ain't my friend either. <laughs> but he was just like that. It, it doesn't matter what you dealt with, what you struggle with. He would just, he would just love on you. And I actually am trying to be better at that. Asking for what we need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and respectfully. Accurately self-assessing our strengths, limits, and weaknesses, and freely sharing them with others. And that's a struggle for me sometimes. Do we justify? our strengths on, do we justify our limits and our weaknesses or are we, do we feel free to share them? Or does it depend on who you're sharing them with? You think it depends on who you're sharing them with? Learning the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others distinguishing and appropriately expressing our sexuality and sensuality. And the last one in this um, category is grieving well. And I wanted to share with you some things I saw today on grieving and grieving well, which I thought were very um, insightful things to share. And it was six things. The first one was, Don't put time limits on your grief. A common question I'm asked from people mourning a significant loss is, is it supposed to take this long? And it said most of us understand that grief is normal and inevitable after a major loss, but the duration of grief is not as well understood. Many people think it should last for a year, but no more. Some people think it may last for a while, but should feel better should feel much easier after the first couple of weeks. And the author said, grief does does lessen with time, but how quickly and to what extent is difficult to predict. The second one said, resist comparing your grief to other people's. Okay, I lost my mother, maybe some of you have lost your mother, but still we grieve very differently. And I've even learned with siblings, even though she was all our mothers, we all dealt with the loss of our parents very differently. And so we have to respect each other's differences. And you all can jump in at any time. I know I talk fast, but please stop me if you have a comment. I have a comment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. My
1: father passed away. It was, it's interesting. I grieve more for my mother, mm-hmm. for her hurt, mm-hmm. than I grieve. And I know that probably sounds like. Mm-hmm. But and my wife kind of helped me with that. She said, well, Kim, I think you you right now at that time, you hurt more for your mother mm-hmm. than you did for your father. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, and that took some time. I know, um, you know, my dad passed away in 2008, and about four years prior or four years after that, you know, my mother, we were talking. And she would come here. I wanted her to meet my doctor. Mm-hmm. Or she fell another way. I'm and just trust him and appreciate, you know, his care for her. And he shared with her, um, even after four years that don't put a time on your grieving. You know, most people, like you said, think that you should be good by now, but he <laughs> said, take your time with it. Make it healthy. Mm-hmm. It's okay, mm-hmm. you know. And that's probably, my, and you know, we talk a lot more deeper than what I'm sharing now, but that was probably the first conversation that we've really had with someone over grieving and mm-hmm. the limb of grieving. And, why you should grieve, and you know and understand that i was grieving more for my mother's hurt. Mm-hmm. you know she lost her husband right. for 40 years mm-hmm. so, you know then I could grieve yeah.
0: for myself so. yeah and I remember when my mother died and I know that my father was grieving the loss of his wife but he was just so pushing my sister and I to come and clean out her stuff and mm-hmm. And finally, I said, listen, I know you lost your wife, but we are also grieving the loss of our mother. I'm not ready to deal with that stuff yet. Close the door and lock it if you have to. But I can't do it yet. But I think he was pushing us out of his need. And my sister was trying to do it. But I just had to push back and say, I'm not ready to deal with this stuff yet. I'm not ready to look at the stuff I've given her and and, and still smell her perfume and some of the stuff. I'm not ready yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand your grief, but I'm grieving too. Mm-hmm. And the author says, but the act of comparing our grief to that of others and then judging it accordingly usually isn't helpful. Mm-hmm. And it says, grief is complex and complexity doesn't lend itself well to superficial comparisons. Number three says, spend time grieving intentionally. This one sounds strange, but it's based on a key idea in the mechanics of emotion. What we resist persists. So it's not going away. Just because you resist it, it's not going away. It will persist. Trying to avoid difficult emotions only makes them stronger in the long run. Um, And it said, like a good friend who listens compassionately, grieving intentionally validates your pain and suffering. Number four says, seek out the right kind of social support. Just because you're grieving doesn't mean you have to talk about your grief all the time. And that's true. It's perfectly okay to want to spend time with people and actually not talk about your grief, your loss, your feelings, etc. In fact, this is a great place to start if you're not sure how to start the grieving process or if you feel like it's not going well. Just start spending little bits of time with people you enjoy doing activities with. Number five, which I thought was very important, there's more to grief than sadness remember grief is a response to significant loss while sadness is often a large or even dominant part of our emotional reaction to loss it's almost never the only one it's okay to feel happy and even joyful at times during the grieving process it's okay to feel angry and disappointed even if you feel those toward a person you've lost and it's okay to feel afraid or anxious about your future as a result of your loss. And this is all part of being um, emotionally healthy in our spirituality. And then number six says, take your self-care seriously. An underappreciated part of healthy grieving is taking care of yourself, especially your body. So I thought those were good little nuggets even as we grieve well. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. Mm-hmm. When, when do you,
3: and this is for anybody, when do you think the balance is between reading well and unhealthy mm-hmm. And I ask the question because I want to probably be tough in the past been almost 20 years. But they spend at least five, six years, once a week, going to his gravesite mm-hmm. every week. And eating there, whatever. So, I mean, for years, what's the balance between unhealthy grief and, you
0: know, healthy grief? Well, I would say, in an uneducated or unprofessional opinion, has it stunted your growth to where you can't ever move on? I would think that would be a key to that becoming unhealthy. Because I can't say in the loss of her husband what's healthy for her, but if she's stuck there in that place forever, then I think it does become unhealthy because at some point as adults, we have to accept the fact that people die. I almost
1: wonder if that is a sign of some kind of underlying issue, maybe something like that.
0: Even some depression. Yes.
3: yes. And, and, and she admitted that and she's not at that point now, but she admitted that she was in a serious depression. Mm-hmm. And she still felt connected close to him by going to the grave site. Mm-hmm. Until someone told him, you know, he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. And she said with the realization of him, that
0: wow, this isn't you know, Mm-hmm. I was just here. Yeah, and thank God for people that love her enough to, to say that to her. Because maybe that was the joke she needed to to move on. Any other thoughts before we move to the next session? Not
1: so much for the but... I was going to say it probably depends on what a person's beliefs to and culture. Mm, yeah. You know? Um, and I pondered, I mean, I pondered with my dad's
2: great side of you know, my dad's. And I don't know if I could even go back to the Memorial Day or something like that, but I won't say because it may have been something. Well, I will say, my thing is, well, you're gone. There's no need to me And I don't mean that in a no. terrible way. I'm just, you know, I'm just, and maybe that's my way of staying healthy, you know. But then, too, my mother's still there and she's probably going to be one of those, her or my wife, that y'all have to call on me and see if I'm okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I couldn't be prematurely judging myself, you know, and I don't, I haven't lost anyone yet, you know, in in that kind of, yet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know, maybe I just keep quiet, but, you know, and I get it that people visit and clean off their thing and, you know, but I've had friends and, you know, they go and talk and, 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 maybe that's therapy too, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older, I understood that, and when I was younger, I'm like, why are you They're not gonna Talk black, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, but I also worked with, um, young know, girl, you know, she was getting Asian descent. And, you know, the difference and cultures, they pay homage. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have a small shrine right. or something in their household. Mm-hmm. So, you
0: know. Yeah, because it, it is it's different for, for everyone, but I I, I do think if it's, if it's stopping you from moving forward ever, then I think it goes into the category of being unhealthy. yeah. And I know for me, one of the things that helped me was when I realized that the person that died wouldn't want me to be stuck in that place. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of helped me to go forward because mm-hmm. I don't think that was their desire for me had they been on the earth mm-hmm. to, for me to just be stuck in that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minister Graham, you had your hand up?
1: I'll go to one of them
2: with what Pastor Jim was saying. Um, one of the things, like for me, since my dad has passed, I've rarely been to this great site. Mm-hmm. And that, um, for me, is because a lot of my healing of things that happened over my lifetime
1: when my dad was alive was addressed mm-hmm. while he was growing
0: Living, okay.
1: We, we, we had that time, that heart to heart and I was, you know, able to resolve things, mm-hmm. some things with him in that time. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, the grief was was early in, in the
2: situation. Once he passed, and I was able to breathe through that, but it was not as long as there I see mm-hmm. other members other families feel mm-hmm. of the family, still mostly the same things when his birthday come up
1: and mm-hmm. all of that, and you know, but it did have sort changes mm-hmm. within our family mm-hmm. as well.
0: Okay. Yes, ma'am, Sister Patricia Johnson. <laughs>
3: I also think that when you talk about being unhealthy Type of breathing, not so much because you're doing too much, but it could be that you're not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talk about identifying our emotions, you know, recognizing and not trying to put it off and not say that I was angry, I was upset, mm-hmm. or I was hurt, or, you know, I don't know why this person died, I don't know, or God, I don't know why, you know, you allow this to happen to them, or a person to, you know, Feel like, I can't breathe, so people are expecting me to just you know be okay and move on, so they they deny and they don't come to grip or reality of those type of emotions that they're dealing with. So, you know, you kind of sweep it in the road, like, no, I'm okay, fine, okay. no, I'm right? And you haven't allowed yourself to experience those emotions,
1: yeah, you know,
3: because <laughs> you don't want to deal with it, you know. Like, I, 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 you know the asana is over because you're not coming to reality and facing those emotions, and um, it can affect a person physically. It can mm-hmm. affect them psychologically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, know the body is was created to feel and have and experience emotions. Mm-hmm. That's where you're being. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna say that, oh, I wasn't hurt by that, I wasn't bothered by that, then you're not fooling anybody else but yourself. Because okay, what it's doing to you. When well, it does come
0: out, because it's it's going to, be it's going to come, come out. out How? It's yeah. gonna come
3: out somehow. It's right, gonna come out with it now. Right. You know, go through the grieving process. whatever yeah. that time frame, maybe, and not feel like you're pressured to move forward, and you know, people expect you to get over it. You know, you still going through it. No, that time you need to keep, come to work, so This is what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I'm dealing. I'm dealing with this. You know, so that I can move forward. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that some people just don't want to appear vulnerable. You know, I mean, there have been people that I prayed with when they were going through loss and they're so busy trying to minister to me, they can't allow somebody to minister to them. I mean, you just suffered loss. It's okay. You don't have to be the spiritual giant in this moment. You really don't. It's okay. I know your heart is hurting.
3: And that was one of the things that the counselor would um, try to, she work with my mom. Um she recommended um, a certain movie, um, it was more of a cartoon character movie, as um, but it dealt with all different emotions mm-hmm. and the person had to, they encountered these different emotions, they were like little well, people, but there were like fear, pain, mm-hmm. and hurt, so she told my daughter to look at it, because one of the things that my daughter has a hard time dealing with is the emotion itself. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that's I, said, I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But you gotta deal with it. You want to deal with it, yeah. deal with it now. Right. How are you feeling? With how what the hurt that you're experiencing yeah. is not going to go away. It's not. And so we have to be willing to you know even though it hurts and just to go through that process of
0: healing. Amen. Amen. Anybody else?
1: Yeah.
0: Go ahead, brother. Let's...
1: Yeah, so um uh, I heard someone say sometimes it has to do (coughs) with the culture, my view, like where I'm from. Um, When we have um, someone passed in the family, uh, probably we can keep the body for like two or three weeks. Mm Yeah. And I think the length of time we're going to keep the body for. When I can agree. Okay. When we bury that person, that's it. Because I believe what we do think about is we don't want to keep thinking about all, oh, I mean, the person has gone. So, what you do in general is do is what the person wants to make to do in my life. So, we keep the body for three, even a month, in the much more, how you call it. Mm-hmm. And we get the body, when all the family comes around and know, go through that process, go to the cemetery, that's it. The next time we go there is what you call here as um, Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. And we call it Decoration Day, okay. same thing. That's the time we want to go there and, you know, do whatever ritual or whatever we have to do. With everything. That's the time to go there. But just to just live with the green throughout. No, we have people living and need you. So sometimes it's true. I mean, just even living and thinking. you know, uh, there's too much of it. It's just not necessary. I mean, everybody has a home a lot the those that are around you. I didn't want to feel your breath every time. I Me, mean, you know so what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it could be cultural difference. It could be whatever it is. But we believe that. Listen, um, if it's a month, it's a month. After that, sick. gotta live. So for most part, never growing up again. Well, you we can talk about it, but it's not the end, kind of a, you know, like, it's a song. It's a, I it, I'm you continue to say, I to up, uh, very in, Africa, I in the United States. he's saw, he saw in Washington, D.C. very in there, um, and if memorial a day, I drive there with the rest of the siblings, We would go to say hi. Um, but one thing I think about, on a day to day basis, but what would he want me to do? So, we're just going there every time, and I know what I'm supposed to do right. So, I have all the what working me, I have all that. We should be leaving the home. You should be doing it. So, do things that will keep the legacy if you are wrong. Instead of, you know, you talk about this person probably when they were alive. my life. you don't even speak Well, mm-hmm. you keep. Talking about how you look so, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I wonder or, or think sometimes there could be different types or durations of it. Okay. And what, what I mean by that? I mean, you may not be grieving like for days or hours on hours or days for the long My mom has been there 14 years. Mm-hmm. There's some years, I'm okay. Yeah. And sometimes I can be home That's and boys and they come home and say about mama. Yeah. And it tears me up. Yeah. You know, so it's not like you're doing it on a every day, every year, every week mm-hmm. type thing, but there are time. You have those mm-hmm. And it brings back those memories of those, you know, those back yeah. you had.
0: Yeah. Certain <coughs> things trigger. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can agree you don't you don't deal with it the same every year. That's right. I know know there are certain dates that are etched in my brain probably will be till the day I die, but but you're right. I don't feel the same way every year. Yeah, Some years are easy. Some are. Okay, anybody else before we start looking at contemplative spirituality? Okay. So um, Peter Scazzaro says, contemplative spirituality on the other hand, focuses on classic practices and concerns such as awakening and surrendering to God's love in any and every situation. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then he says, um, another practice would be positioning ourselves to hear God and remember his presence in all we do. So I wanna ask the question tonight, how do we position ourselves? Or maybe the question should be, how do you position yourself to hear God? And remember his presence in all we do. How do you position yourself to hear God? Well, I
1: me mean personally, <laughs> no, I say that. <laughs> you know, you, you have to you have to separate yourself from the distraction thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. you have to get in a quiet place mm-hmm. quiet mm-hmm. and
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody else, how do you position yourself to to hear God? I think, like
3: for um, like I would say for me, it's just you know it like says position yourself and. You know, recognize and remember his presence in all of you. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm at work, whether I'm at school, whether I'm at home, whether I'm dealing with kids, whether at the grocery store, whether I'm driving down 45, you know, when different things happen that may want to take you to the left, that in your mind, you know, you think, okay, God, I'm. Okay, I need you to help me with this paper, I need you to help me, you know, deal with this person on my job, that you remember yeah, all that you do, mm-hmm. everything that you do, to acknowledge and I need you to help me with this, really help me, you know, my kids and trying to get them set up, that you're, you're, you know, you are in tune with your mind and, you know, just, okay. I need you in everything that I do, just be open to here and allow me to lead you wherever I am just recognize yes,
0: to lead,
1: you with whatever it is that you're doing in every situation, every situation. Life, it's situation okay yes sir I'm learning I'm learning to not put an amen on my conversations with God from hmm. um Rick Warren says that prayer is like breathing to the soul hmm. and you know we Breathe all day, mm-hmm. and hopefully, yeah, <laughs> and you know, to add to what um, Pat was saying, you know, I'm learning to just talk to God. Now, yeah, I'm sure, there are times that you know you'll go into a position of prayer, you know, um, but just throughout the day, walking on this campus, you know. You gotta make a challenging phone call here in about a half an hour And we do a prayer. You know what I'm saying? Or, or in the shower or in the car just I mean, talking to him all the time. Now there are times like often I have to spill away mm-hmm. where it's quiet. Sometimes it's, it comes sooner than others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes i got to turn the voices and the noise out of my head, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to be praying about something and next I'm thinking, oh yeah, tell me me to call the insurance company. I mean, you know, right in the middle of prayer, like, really? So sometimes it just, you know, mm-hmm. I think you have to know you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the author is getting to. I know Tim. I can have a lot of racing in my head. It doesn't mean bad. because i got a lot of racing in my head. But I can't be in a hurry sometimes.
0: I just got to sit down for a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Be
1: still. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to acknowledge um, a couple of online comments. I'm not trying to go back. But um, Vanessa Gilcrease said, I still visit my husband's grave for certain occasions. And... She said, everyone travels this, past, this path differently, but please travel it. Don't live camped at the grave. Okay. And she said that grief comes in waves. So just wanted to acknowledge that. But one of, some of the things that he gave me in terms of positioning ourselves to hear him, he said to start with the premise that God is good all the time that he's good all the time, no matter what's going on in our life, he's still God and he's still good. And then um, encourage yourself that he knows what's best for you. So even if it's a trying situation, even if it's a bad situation, even if you're battling a terminal illness, you have to know in your mind that God knows what's best for you. And of course he didn't bring the illness, but he allowed it he allowed it and he knows what's best for you do we really believe romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good and those things might not just have a month time limit you might be terminal for 25 years mm-hmm. but if that's the path he's chosen for you he knows what's best for you and then you have to remind yourself that nothing catches god by surprise He is not surprised by anything that happens. He is God, he is omnipotent, he's omniscient. He already knows before it happens. So we can rest in that, that he knew you were gonna get in this car accident, that he knew, you know, in my case, I was gonna break my ankle in a car accident and be out of work for 13 months. None of that caught him by surprise, He, he knew. And then to seek him first, before opinions and before your usual norms we all have those people that we can cry out to and lean on their shoulder but seek him even before you do that you know seek ye first the kingdom and then i think about the script i think it's psalm 63 and 1 that says early will i seek him not just the time of day but early in the situation don't wait until i poll the whole room to see you know what would what Let me talk to Tony about it. Let me call Melissa. Let me call Joanna. Now, let me see what God is saying. And that's not taking anything away from having valued friendships, but let me see what he's saying before I start saying, girl, or somebody saying, girl, if I were you, well, let me see what God is saying because he knows me. He knows the situation. He knows what's best for me. So let me see what it is he's asking me to do in this situation. And then number three, communing with God, allowing him to fully indwell the depth of our being. The next one, practicing silent solitude and a life of unceasing prayer. And I think Elder's Body and Hall kind of alluded to that. Just kind of getting away, being in silence, hearing what God is saying. And you cannot hear when you are talking. And I know that, that prayer is, is dialoguing with the Father, but we need to spend some time listening too.
1: It's
0: not about God, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want that. What is he saying to you? Resting attentively in the presence of God. One of the things that I enjoy about actually physically working in a church building is that I always have the presence of an altar. And there are times I just take 10, 15 minutes, just go lay at the altar in the church. Now, I haven't done it lately because they found a little snake in the sanctuary. So I haven't had that piece yet to lay. I do go go sit on the pew, but I'm not at the laying stage yet again. But I do take advantage of the fact that I work in a church. I can't do that at the bank, but I can do it at the church. And then understanding our earthly life as a journey of transformation toward ever increasing union with God. This is a journey. This is a walk. This is not uh, just a race, it's a marathon. It's gonna take us a while. We are ever changing, ever growing, ever learning, so we need never think that we have all the answers. And even at the point of salvation, that's, that's the ground level. You're a new creature. So now you're learning things differently. You're growing and you're ever increasing your faith. And what does uh, Romans 12 and one tell us to do? What, what, what is being transformed in the scripture in Romans 12 and one? renewing our minds that's part of our being transformed we're renewing our minds we don't think like we did 10 years ago five years ago we're, we're wanting the mind of christ but well, why do you th- why is it necessary though to renew our minds why didn't he say renew your heart why the mind because so where mind what
3: do you think and then you start as, as, as you think, so as then start to react, become a part of you. You're, you're, you know, your mental.
0: When you start thinking on blowing on thing, and then you start to act upon whatever it was you were thinking. That's right. Did you have a comment, Dwayne? I thought you had. A, had you? Okay. Also, just just knowing that
1: that's what the battle starts.
0: That's right. It
1: starts in our mind. Satan can't. You know, change our
0: thoughts. He can kind of influence them. The thoughts in our mind. And as a man thinketh, right. so is he. It doesn't say as a man feeleth; it, right. it's as you think. And and I always like this this um, quote: "Watch your thoughts; they become words. Watch your words; they become actions. Watch your actions; they become habits. Watch your habits; they become character." and watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Mm-hmm. So I always like to keep that in mind, because you're right, the mind is, it's the nerve center. Yeah. It, it's where it all begins. It's, it's, it's our thinking that needs to change and, and to begin to see ourselves differently. And so then once you see yourself differently, you begin to act differently. Mm-hmm. Think, uh, the, uh,
3: that's why I think it's so important to get you word every day start your day. See you first. The kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You can't live just like you can't live off what was spoken yesterday. You got to mm-hmm. have something to keep you renewed each day. Every you know. day. That's you need right. You daily, you have to. That's,
0: That's right. That right. keeps a lot of the uh, future focused. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay, we're going to move on to page. Um, or oh, I have a few more. Um, finding the true essence of who we are in God. we are in God, not in the church, not in our careers, not in the sight of our family and our friends, but who we are in God, because many people can rest in who they are in the sight of people, and because people validate you in certain ways, you're thinking everything is A-OK, because everybody's validating you. Well, they could be validating you because of what they want from you. So it's about who we are in God. Loving others out of a life of love for God. Developing a balanced, harmonious rhythm of life that enables us to be aware of the sacred in all of life adapting historic practices of spirituality that are applicable today, allowing our Christian lives to be shaped by the rhythms of the Christian calendar rather than the culture, and then living in committed community that passionately loves Jesus above all else. The combination of emotional health and contemplative spirituality addresses what I believe to be the missing piece in contemporary Christianity. Together they unleash the Holy Spirit inside us in order that we might know experientially the power of an authentic life in Christ. And he goes on at the bottom of page 46 to say the greatest commandments, Jesus said, are that we love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves and I just wanted to make a point about that if you don't love yourself the right way you can't love your neighbor and most I won't say most a lot of people really don't have self-love and so the way you treat your neighbor and not just your physical neighbor next door but just people in general is a reflection of how you see yourself if you don't um trust yourself you're not going to trust anybody if you don't see any self-worth you, you're not going to see the worth in other people either so you can't love your neighbor right until you love yourself right agree disagree
1: mm-hmm. and, I, and i think a lot of the love has to start at an early age because we teach our children sort of thing a lot of times we speak even parents speak over their children sort of thing you ain't gonna be this you ain't gonna be that so you all been defeated in believing what they've already said. To mm-hmm. You ain't gonna be to Love yourself, mm-hmm. but I think when we can teach our children at a young age that
0: we are special, in how to present I think it helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, we had a young lady who came through our life group. It's probably been five, six years ago now, and she had a breakthrough one night in the meeting because she said her grandmother had always taught her not to trust a group of women she said you get in a group of women they're messy they they after your man they this and that and so she said that was ingrained in her that you didn't trust a group of women and it was so um it was a beautiful thing to see that night her have a breakthrough and her begin to want to be there because initially she just came because we had one of the rallies and you know pastor said everybody needs to be in a life group so she Came for that reason, but you could tell she was very closed and very, um, just wasn't feeling good about being there, but it was a beautiful thing to see her have a breakthrough and to begin to open up and trust. And she said, and I'm so grateful tonight that that, that was broken because that's something that's always been in the back of my mind. And that's what the author says in this book, that, that those things that we carry so deeply like that, God can't even penetrate. Because it's always in the back of our minds.
1: That's deep. That's to know that the lady got her breakthrough. What would seem to be not a big deal, or what would seem to not be so deep with others but think about self sabotage. You mm-hmm. know, read this book. I
0: found out I have. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you hitting know, me hard. I, I got I had, more highlighted than not than not highlighted. I really do. I've gone through like three highlights. Yeah. <laughs> just like just highlight the whole
1: page. Yeah, just know. highlight the whole page. Um. But yeah, that's pretty powerful. That you know. Um. Even from our great great grandfather. Parents or grandparents, you know, mm-hmm. just a little things that generation to generations just time, uh, you know, dominating, great at what they do. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you watch the Grammys, for example. How many artists or or, or whatever award on television, especially comes on Black community, how many always thank their mom? You know? Well, we know why, but you know, you just, you hear that over, over, mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. you know, not all, but many, mm-hmm. you know, but like generation after generation after generation, mm-hmm. you know, um, generational curses or whatever you want to call it just constant you know
0: Mm -hmm. and I think the danger elder body is that when it's so ingrained you don't even think or know to even pray for change in that area it's just mama always said to do this and grandma always said to do that and and that's what you lead with so even being in the church being saved being um, delivered in so many other areas, if that's so ingrained in you, you don't even know to pray for that thing. It's just this is what's this is what we do, this is what we do in my family.
1: And I think that's important because I'm sitting here thinking real quick that you know God is a gentleman, and, and, and because of his principle and the law that. We won't move on this earth in our behalf individually until we ask him. And so we don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's what the enemy wants. You know, he wants to keep that part or that area calloused. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to the doctor for everything else on our body, but we don't look for our hands.
0: And that's why this book is challenging me personally because what I'm realizing is okay, I might have forgiven the person that wronged me, but I still have a process to work out my emotions surrounding that thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm walking in unforgiveness, but I'm still hurt. I'm still confused, I'm still angry at it. So I still have a process to work it out. But I think sometimes in the church we feel like, well, because I've forgiven my brother, then it's over. No, it's not over because I'm still suffering from it in some way. And I might even get to the place where I don't uh, turn the other way when I see you coming. But there's still a process that's gotta be worked out with this thing. Cause I'm still feeling something from it, not unforgiveness, Toward my sister or brother, but it's still a process of what occurred because we are human beings. And I'm being sensitive to the to the time. So, any other comments before I move on? Okay. So, David, will you show the um the picture?
1: Yeah.
0: Just trying to see if I'm missing any online. Comments. okay pastor stephen says the book is challenging me too the book exposes us all <laughs> amen mm-hmm. so i want y'all to look at this um picture if y'all can see it this was so, so saturday morning i was driving to my home church because i had to minister in apex sunday morning for our annual homecoming now I have passed this little old house a million times but for some reason Saturday I just stared at it and stared at it as much as I could because I was driving and I told myself when I come back Sunday I'm going to get a picture of it and it just stayed in my mind for some reason throughout the day on Saturday and the, the Holy Spirit said to me what happened to this house that was once shiny and new? And me and the Lord were just having a conversation. And I said, well, I'm thinking the owners, when they built it, they were probably extremely proud of it and took great pride in it. And then maybe over time, a few storms hit it. Maybe a field mouse or two got in and maybe some other rodents. Maybe the owner initially made repairs and then just got tired. Maybe he became overwhelmed. Maybe he didn't have the resources to keep fixing it up. And we know resources is not just money. Maybe he got sick, maybe even he died. But then I looked at it and I said, to be standing that long, it must have a good foundation. Well, and then I said again, and the Lord said to me, Well, what do you think happened? And I said, Lord, what did happen to this house that was once shiny and new? And he spoke one word to me, and he said, Neglect. So tonight I'm asking you, What storms have occurred in your life? What hits have you taken? And maybe in your own strength, you tried to fix the issue or the problem. And I've had to learn, one of my spiritual sisters said to me one time, because I have a, a way of saying, well, I have a peace about it. And she said to me, and it always now makes me stop and think, she said, is it your peace or is it God's peace? So I'm now having to ask myself, is it just me not wanting to deal with it anymore? Or is, is God telling me to continue to to deal with this thing. And then sometimes I feel like we're so concerned with our mansion in the sky that we neglect the houses that we live in right now. And not just physically, but emotionally as well. And yes, your foundation is sure, you're saved and you're sanctified and your Holy Ghost filled. But is your house emotionally somewhere where the spirit chooses to dwell? That's what I thought about when I saw this house. That was my conversation all weekend long with with the father. And so when I came back through, I pulled up on the little side road and took a picture and prayed, Nobody was going to shoot at me while I was on somebody's property taking a picture of this house. But those are the things that that I think about for us. What about your emotional house? What shape is it in? And then lastly, because I do want to, Close. If somebody will pass this sheet out for me. This is a song um, by Indy and I printed the lyrics off, but when you go home tonight or at some point, I want you to pull this song up and listen to it, because it speaks to a lot of what um, we're dealing with in this book and in this class. And are there any other comments before we close tonight? Hope I haven't bored you. I appreciate your time and attention. It's, it's so much to cover and I'm glad we're not rushing through it. And there is a little bit more to the song on the, on the back as well. Um, but if you would, at some point, just listen to this song and um, while you're reading the lyrics, because I, I think it really does speak to um, a lot of what we are learning in this book. So being no more comments, Elder, would you close us out in prayer, Elder Hall?
1: First of all, I to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just come thanking you for your goodness, your grace and mercy, God. We thank you, God, for the Word that has applied into us, like God, that we would take this, Lord, and that we would be rules, and not only, not just hear us, God, we thank you, Lord, God, for the a that has poured out, Lord God, our heart, teaching, God, we have to do restore, God, everything, back to the Word of God. And, Lord God, even as we take this book, we we'll learn by ourselves, God, we have to show us ourselves, show us ways of being better, God, and doing things, and thinking better, Lord God. And this is work on us, Father God. We lift up the shepherds of this house. God, that you will continue to undergird them, God. Give them the best that they need, oh God. And Father God, you would bring us back on Sunday, God. for an awesome, awesome time in you, God. We praise and worship, God. Now, as we leave this place, Father, whenever you're present, we pray for your traveling mercies. as we go to our different destinations, help us to find things better than we live, God. We shall give you name, praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.